0: Hey, Eastlake Church, and uh, anybody else that is on the app or listening to this, uh, we're doing something a little different on this particular version of the Sunday morning talk. It's going to be sort of a hybrid podcast and redo of the talk we did on Sunday, which is the second in a series of talks about Christmas. Uh, Christmas started when an angel visited a young woman who was engaged, her name is Mary, and the first week we talked about, the theme of that was grace. Let me read a little background to you. This side of the Bible. Uh, the angel came to her and said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But Mary was very confused about what the angel said. She wondered, what does this mean? The angel is talking about grace, specifically God's grace, and Mary doesn't know what it means. She doesn't understand it, and she certainly doesn't understand what it means to be full of grace, Now, in life, it seems like there's three reasons that I get things. Either I'm the reason, or the universe is the reason, or someone else is the reason. If I'm the reason, it means I earned it. If the universe somehow lines up in my favor and provides something for me, or somebody gives me a gift, and when that somebody is God, we call that grace. Now, to be full of grace means I understand that in life, sometimes I won't be able to earn what I need. And sometimes the universe won't swing things my way, that there'll be many times that I need God to give me a gift because I can't earn something. For instance, this Christmas season, you may see someone that something happened in your past and you've always wanted them to forgive you. You've even tried to earn it somehow, you've said or done things, and yet you just know they they just haven't, they've never forgiven you. And you could feel that every Christmas season, and it's one of those things. You can't earn it, and, and the universe doesn't seem to be making it happen. So now the question is, what what's next? How, like, Do I have any hope that it could occur? And the reason we do is because God can make it happen. He can give me a gift. Now, Mary's the first parent. Today, we're going to look at the second parent, and we always do a big idea. So, uh, when I'm full of grace, I can spread grace. I need grace to give grace. We're going to look at the other parent today. His name is Joseph. Uh, His story is also in the Bible, so let me read some of it to you. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was engaged to marry Joseph, but before they were married, he learned that she was expecting a baby. Can you imagine? She was pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary's husband, Joseph, was a good man. He did not want to cause her public disgrace, so he planned to divorce her secretly. So we know that Joseph is a good person. He's a good man. However, uh, and this is sort of the backdrop of the Christmas story, being full of goodness is different than being full of grace. Goodness will get you through a lot of stuff, but grace will get you through everything. Everything. When Joseph finds out that Mary's pregnant and he hears the story that God has something to do with it, that she hasn't been unfaithful or cheated on him, he's not buying the story. and He doesn't believe that this is how the pregnancy happened. And put yourself in his shoes. If your fiancé or girlfriend came home or even your wife came home or someone you're dating came home and announced that they were pregnant and you knew that you weren't the reason they were pregnant. And then they had this story that God had, you know, it was behind this whole thing. How would you handle it? And so he's, he's a good person. He doesn't really want to hurt her. But goodness isn't going to get him through. The story goes on. But after Joseph thought about this, an angel from the Lord came to him in a dream. The angel said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to accept Mary to be your wife. The baby inside her is from the Holy Spirit. That sort of speaks to our culture now. The Bible uses the word baby inside her. She will give birth to a son. You'll name him Jesus. Give him that name because he will save his people from their sins. So here's the full of grace part or grace part. God say, I'm going to override everything. And if there is a definition of grace, that's probably it. Grace means God can override with a gift everything in my life. It doesn't matter if I can't earn it. The universe can come or go, but God can override it. And the angel says that God is going to override it. And he even gives Joseph some of the details. It's going to be a boy and he's going to save people from their sins, and just a moment on that, you you may have heard someone say that, you know, have you been saved from your sins, or, you know, if you asked God to forgive you of your sins, what does it mean? And it's both an event and a process, really. It's it's like a lot of relationships. Uh, I remember one time I went to a carnival. It was kind of a amusement park, and they had one of these rides where you went way up high. This was like five stories and kind of like drop zone, and you you went to the very top, and just you and one other person got in this sort of like an elevator, but it was open, you could see out, and you sat on a little bench, and you just waited for them to hit the switch, and this elevator did a free fall five stories all the way to the bottom. And, you know, I wanted to to try it, so I got up on that, and, man, you know, you're sitting there waiting for it to go, and, and, you know, they hit the switch, and you hear it, and then all of a sudden the drop all the way to the bottom, it's just seconds, and it's over. And, you know, you're you're anxious and you're scared and, and, you know, then you do the ride and then you're done. And it's an event. It has a start and a finish and it's over. You walk away. It's done. And giving your life to Jesus is sort of like that, too. You know, it's it's an event. It, you, there's a moment where you step over that line. you You sort of know this is the day or this is the time. I remember when I asked Jesus to forgive my sins. I asked him to come into my life. But how it's different than the carnival ride is it continues because it's a relationship. So like any relationship that has a start, think about getting married, there's an event, there's a wedding, and then the marriage goes forward in a process. So when he says, forgive you of sin, says Jesus is coming, there's going to be an event, an open opportunity. Anybody can choose this. And once it occurs, Jesus stays with us throughout the process, not just for sin, for lots of things. So that's the story. Now, keep reading. All this happened to make clear the full meaning of what the Lord said through the prophet. The virgin will be pregnant and give birth to a son. They'll name him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. This is where Jesus is different than the Santa Claus story. Um, Santa, Santa Claus, you know, the version of Santa Claus is that his relationship with us depends on our goodness. So, you know, Santa Claus makes a list. There's the song, checks it twice, who's naughty, who's nice, and there's the, you know, do you get presents or do you get a lump of coal? But but really the whole thing is sort of framed in, you need to be a good person for Santa Claus to give you what you want. And what the angel tells Joseph is, God's different than that. Jesus is going to be different than that. He'll be with you when you're good or bad. And if you think about it, just for a moment, just think, Uh, parents that you have, friends that you had, relatives that you had, isn't the one that really sticks out the one that was willing to be with you when you weren't so good? Or isn't it like that friend that sticks with you you when you have done stuff that you know you shouldn't have or everybody else is sort of against you and there's that one friend or maybe even more than one friend that no matter what you've done, they stick with you. That's the picture that that the Christmas story has about Jesus. God with us means good or bad, best day or worst day, God is willing to be with us, which was sort of counterculture to the religion of the day. Jesus is born into a very religious culture with a dominant church culture. And it had evolved kind of like Santa Claus. When you're really super good, the church likes you, the people in the church like you, and God likes you. And if you're not so good, you better get good fast because you're not going to get the things that you need. And so the angel comes and says, we're changing all that with God coming, Jesus coming, the birth of Jesus. Last thing, when, G- when Joseph woke up, he did what the Lord's angel told him to do. He married Mary. So what a change. I mean, his plan is to not disgrace her, but to move on. I don't want anything to do with this. this isn't how I have it planned. As has this one encounter with God, and now he's willing to go through with the marriage. He marries her. But Joseph did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and he named him Jesus. So imagine the discipline there. So this must have been a pretty impactful encounter for Joseph. He changes everything, he gets married, doesn't have any sexual relationships with her, and I'm sure he's a man's man, so, you know, he has to put all the brakes on that, and he just sort of waits to see what God's going to do. Now, what does it mean for us, anybody listening, uh, your Christmas this year, 2019? Three things. It's okay not to measure up. Um, when I was a kid, I used to like to visit my grandparents on the weekend. So they'd come and get me. I lived in a, a town not too far away from them. They'd come and get me, take them back to their house. And as soon as we arrived, we'd do the same thing uh, each time. They would take me into the kitchen. There was a wall there. And they would measure my height. Then they'd put a little hash mark at the top. So every time I visited them, I'd see you know the hash mark from before and how much I'd grown. And they had all these hash marks, even way back when I was a little kid. And I loved doing it. It was just like the first thing we ever did. And here's how tall I am now. And We'd put the ruler on my head and take a pencil and put a little hash mark. Now, there was one problem. I had a cousin that was just about my same age. And they would come and visit my grandparents too. And every time they came to visit, they would measure my cousin and they'd put my cousin's hash marks on there. So when I came to do uh, put my hash mark on there, I'd see my cousin's hash marks. And my cousin was taller than me, all the way through childhood, taller than me. So when I would come, I'd have to see their hash marks, which was higher than my hash marks. I didn't like it. I, I didn't like the measurement. And so here's what I would do. I would go in at night after everybody was sleeping with an eraser and I would erase their hash mark and lower it. And I would erase my hash mark and hire it because I didn't like the measurement. And so I would adjust it or change it. So I felt like I was measuring up. And I think that maybe you do this. I know I do this. I still sort of operate that way. I compare myself to other people and see how I measure up. And if I don't feel like I measure up, I try to figure out something or I notice something or I emphasize something about them that will lower them a little bit. And then I compare them to myself in some area of my life that's better than them, or I feel like it's a good part of me, which raises my hash mark. It's a comparison. And what's happening in this particular story uh, would cause Joseph and Mary to feel like they don't measure up. They come from super religious families. And so none of this is happening in a way that they would have measured up with what people thought the wedding was going to be or how their family was going to start. They're not measuring up. And they seem to be okay with it. They they, they seem to, to to realize that God has a completely different way of of measuring. That in God's way of measuring, He doesn't compare us to anything. That He just asks us to trust Him. And boy, it sure arrives because during this whole time that they're having their crisis in their world the government of the day announces there's going to be a nationwide census you can read about this in the bible rome ruled the world and it ruled the area where mary and joseph lived which is israel so they call for this huge census and so now everybody has to return to their hometown they have to be counted and they have to answer a questionnaire and all of it is going to be made a public record for everybody let me read to you what happens with these guys So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So now it's all a matter of... They would have much rather this stay under the radar. I'm sure at some point Joseph and Mary thought, you know, I wish God could have done this differently And I wish this census wasn't happening because now now we have to go admit what's going on. We have to register our names. Everybody's going to see it. And it's like that hash mark on my grandparents' wall in their kitchen. I'm not going to be as high as I want to be. And they're okay with it because they realize I don't have to compare myself to anybody or measure up. If I'm trusting to do what God said to do, then that's more important than how I measure up. Number two, it's okay to need another chance. Uh, When we did our talk on Sunday, I had some pictures uh, that Vincent van Gogh had painted. Maybe you've seen the sunflowers or the starry night. Uh, You might know this. One of his paintings went for $80 million, one of the most expensive purchases of all time. Uh, Vincent van Gogh, Uh, early in his life, was a Christ follower. His dad was a Christian pastor. His grandfather was a Christian pastor. So they're all ministers. They all followed Christ. And Van Gogh wanted to follow Christ as well. Uh, On Sunday morning, I had a painting that he'd done much later in his life that gave backdrop to what a struggle it was for Van Gogh to feel like he could have a relationship with God. And here's the story. He had started his very first church in a coal mining village, and it was a very small little village up in the mountains, and had done a pretty good job with the people. Uh, The people in the village liked him. He was very concerned about poor people. Uh, One of the problems was he wasn't a very good preacher. His sermons weren't very interesting, and the denominational leaders, which was monitoring his work, which happens, decided that he wasn't doing a good enough job. He wasn't the guy they wanted, so they fired him. They took him out of the ministry, they moved him from the church, and Van Gogh was completely flattened by this. He, way before he ever picked up a paintbrush, he was heading to be a pastor just like his father, and his father just like his grandfather. And this whole thing just flattened him. And the picture that I showed uh, on Sunday morning was a painting that he did, and it was a huge Bible on a table. It was his dad's Bible. There was a little novel off to the right that was popular during the time that he did the picture. And then there was a candle in the right-hand corner. He had to sort of notice this candle, and there was no flame on it. And when he did the picture, it was to symbolize he never was able to catch the light again. He never could get on fire again. Either somebody blew it out or it was never lit. People have debated what he meant by this candle with no flame. But Van Gogh, his entire life, struggled with God because he couldn't believe he could get another chance. And in our story about Christmas, Joseph completely blows it the first time. He makes a huge mistake. He hears what Mary has to say. He assesses it. He says, this can't possibly be true. I'm out. He cannot wrap his head around the fact that Mary's pregnant. He's a good man, but goodness isn't enough to to get him to the wedding, goodness isn't enough to keep him with Mary. He decides that he's moving on, and that's when God has to interrupt everything. He catches him when he's asleep, uh, which is a good time for God to talk to any of us, especially guys, because you can't talk back, and he explains to him, Joseph, you made a huge mistake. You've already started to make plans and put your life together in in a different direction, and it's a mistake to go that way. You need another chance. Now, think about it. In life, if you don't believe you could have another chance from God, that means you get one swing. And if you don't pull it off, then it's over. And even in the Christmas story, Joseph couldn't get it on the first swing, he needed another chance. And what, what it says to us, why it matters to us, is that it's okay. To need another chance. Most of the things in life that you're going to do that are great with your children, in your marriage, at your job, with your health, you probably won't do on your first attempt. And if you get stuck, like the candle up in the corner of that painting, and you, you should Google it, it's real easy, just say Van Gogh, picture of dad's Bible, and look at the candle. If you get stuck with no light because you can't see God as giving you another chance, you stay stuck. And that's not the story of Christmas and Joseph. Joseph made a huge mistake. But when God said, I'm offering you another chance, it was okay with him to take it. He, he could understand that it's, it's, it's really okay to need another chance. And number three, it's okay to completely depend on God. And in this podcast, sort of hybrid form sermon, uh, I'm just going to talk you through what we did. I found this great video, uh, and it's a trapeze artist, and in this video, uh, on the right-hand side of the screen, the trapeze artist is taking off in slow motion. You might think, well, what does a trapeze artist have to do with depending on God or Christmas or any of that? But but it was cool because as the trapeze artist took off, he looked so calm and confident and collective and knew what he was doing. And, and it's a lot like when you decide to depend on God, you finally get to the place where you say, okay, now I'm going to depend on God, I'm going to follow God, and off you go, you start. But right in the middle you notice that another trapeze artist is coming from the left side of the screen. Right side dressed in white, red side was dressed in red. And as this trapeze is coming, he's holding onto the bar by his knees and hanging upside down. And then you start to realize, oh, the trapeze coming from the right at some point is going to let go of the bar and and the one on the left is going to catch him. And that's what they're doing. And sure enough... I stopped it right in the middle and the one on the right-hand side had let go of the bar but there was probably 10 feet between him and the trapeze artist that was coming from the left upside down now hands down towards the ground and there's probably 10 feet between them and when I stopped it there what I asked was how do you feel before God comes through you know do you think this wasn't such a good idea? I mean, what was that trapeze artist feeling like? I'm not secure on the bar. I'm in the middle of no man's land. I'm not that close to the other trapeze person. What if they don't come far enough? What if I don't fall straight? What if they're not able to catch me as I go by? And that's a very real part of the Christmas story. What if Jesus doesn't grow up to be impressive? But if there's a problem, how would Joseph and Mary felt when they get to Bethlehem and thinking, well, God's behind this, everything's going to be great, and then there's no place to stay, and the baby comes early, and they, they can't find a way to even properly deliver the child. At that point, the depending on God gets a little perilous, and that's okay. See, the whole point of the idea of to be full with grace is to understand at the last second God will catch me before I hit the ground. You factor in God's gift. You don't know how it will arrive or if it will arrive at the time that you think it should arrive. You just know that you have to factor in a gift. Because I won't always be able to earn it. And I can't make the universe obey me. Sometimes I'll need a gift. And being full with grace is living that that's going to happen. So it's okay when you're depending on God and you feel like, and then I hit the button, told someone, I said, hit the button. And then sure enough, the trapeze artist extends out and they grab hands and they get safely to the other side. And that's a picture of the journey of having God's grace. Now, here's the bottom line. Grace is a lifetime supply of closeness and care. And then I want you to hear this last verse. This will wrap up the the Welcome Christmas series. Jesus in the Christmas story is a little baby. So you don't really get an idea much about him. You get more about his parents and what's going to happen with him. But he grows up to be a man. Christmas story, this phrase, full of grace, is is sort of the theme of it. And when Jesus grows up to be a man, he has friends and he, he has a people that become a part of his followers. And one of them, his name is John, wrote down the story of Jesus, sort of like a biography, and they put it in the Bible. One of his closest, closest, best friends. And he tried to capture what it meant to be around Jesus. He put it in this story that he wrote about him. I want, I'm going to read you what, what John said. He said, Christ, talking about Jesus, became a human and lived among us. So he's saying he was, you know, he was, he was with us, he hung out with us, he was a person, you know, he was just around us all the time. He was one of the guys, in a sense. We saw his glory and the glory that belongs to the only Son of the Father. So that's the way he's saying he was a human, he hung out with us, he was around us all the time, but there was something very, very different about him. And then he says this, and he was full of grace. Same exact phrase that Mary was told and Joseph experienced to be full of grace. Jesus is full of grace and he spread grace. And The Christmas story is about understanding that there's a person named Jesus that can fill you with grace, and you're able then to spread grace to other people. You you can make it to where everybody doesn't have to measure up to your idea of what the world should look like. You can give someone another chance this Christmas season that does not deserve it, and they cannot earn it. And you can, and you can help someone depend on God. Because now there's grace for you that you can spread. Gosh, I hope you have a fantastic Christmas season. And uh, this is sort of a sermon podcast type thing. Uh, I want to tell you that the grace that Jesus is full of is a grace that he's willing to give you for whatever you need that you can spread. And God bless and have a Merry Christmas.